breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning, Lieutenant Governor, the man with the best job in the world, Billy Nungesser, joining us. Good morning, Lieutenant Governor. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing very well. The question is, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm on my way to Natchitoches to unveil a civil rights marker and on the street fort. So. Uh, I'll be uh, up your way today. Now, yeah. a lot of people have the question, when you're in Shreveport, are you planning on meeting with Mayor Arsenault? Well, I actually, I'll be back up next week, and I have a meeting scheduled with him that I had scheduled some time ago um, to see how I could assist uh, with the issues with the police for Mardi Gras. Um, and, you know, I was asked by the crew and tourism folks, I have been talking to for many months, um, even offered some of our park rangers and uh, to fill that gap to so that Mardi Gras could stay uh, as scheduled. And um, and so uh, uh, we do have a meeting scheduled. I believe it's next week when I'm up. What Are, are you going to be able to offer the 30 extra security personnel that he says he needs to keep well, Centaur on its original date? Yeah, listen, all I ever wanted to do was assist the, look, we don't give the Mardi Gras crews enough credit or the fairs and festival people that work year-round at no cost to, to the state of the city to put on these great events that we get to use to lure tourists from all over the world to bring money to our communities. And so we... Your, uh, phone, your you, phone's acting crazy. I think you hit a dead area. Yeah, you hit a dead area. Can you hear me now? Yes, that's good. So so, so they, they work year-round to put on these incredible events and doesn't cost the taxpayers anything. They bring money into the community. So we should do everything we possibly can to assist them to put on the best event they can. And all I did was state when I heard they were changing dates that we had just got back from promoting that direct flight into Dallas, how people from Australia and New Zealand could enjoy Mardi Gras in Shreveport, Bossier, with a short drive. And so giving them the schedules and those travel agents going to work on people making that trip, I thought it was not a good idea to try to change those dates and that we should do everything physically possible to keep those dates. And and the suggestion of calling the governor and asking him to commit state police or, or National Guard or other sheriff's departments uh, I'm willing to assist anyone I can to make that happen. Do you have commitments, but, though, for those 30 additional officers that the mayor well, says he's got to have to keep the date the same? Well, I hope to assist him in doing that. He needs to make that request. It's not, It's not. you know, I don't like to say, look, I've taken every aspect I know to make recommendations to the crew, to the tourism folks up there, and I'll make the same offer to the mayor if he'd like to assist me in doing that. But he has to want to do it and, and make the request, and then I will assist him any way I can. I don't want to ram nothing down his throat or make him do anything that he doesn't want to do. 
All I wanted to do is bring attention to it will cause some issues if people have booked trips to Shreveport and found out that incredible parade has been moved. So that's that's the issue for me is is to not have gone to sell something that is not going to happen to the people tra- traveling to Shreveport, Bossier for Mardi Gras. His concern that the parade should end by 7 p.m., start by 2.30 and end by 7 p.m., doesn't want them in, at darkness. We have a lot of parades in Louisiana that roll at nighttime. Um, do you see that as, uh, as something that the crews could deal with right now and maybe renegotiate later in the future? Well, I, I would I would ask the crews what is best for them. Um, they know what attracts the crowds. A lot of people love the night parades. But there again, you know, I always go to the people that are doing the hard work and then try to make it work what's best for them. Those members put up their own money. Those crews work year-round, and we should do everything we can do physically possible to accommodate them within safety reasons. That's why if it's the National Guard or State Police, look, they've done it for New Orleans. So I think an ask from the, the state or the, the crew and the mayor, and I would surely assist in that request um, to make sure we can safely have Mardi Gras as scheduled. You say we're talking with the Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser. You say you've got a meeting scheduled with the mayor coming up here in the next week or so. Uh, yeah, I but- think when I'm back up there next week. Today I'm on a short fuse to speak, and i got to get back to Baton Rouge for an event tonight. So I'm on a fast trip today. But have you been in contact with the, the, the crews of Centaur and Gemini, and what's your message to the crews? Well, I've talked to them, and I, I support, and, and the tourism folks, uh, I support whatever conclusion they come to, and I hope I can help the mayor get whatever he needs out of Baton Rouge or other law enforcement to make this work. And But, but there again, I don't want to tell, go and say, I'm going to go get 20 police officers if that's not within the mayor's plan and we can't help him achieve what the crews want. I'm just here to offer my assistance in any way I can, but it's got to be driven by the city who ultimately will make that decision. Um, but, but there again, I, I, I can't thank the crews enough for the work they do all over Louisiana year round to put on these incredible parades other than the law enforcement and, and, you know, other than that cost, the return on investment for Mardi Gras is huge to every part of this state. And it gets more people excited about coming to Louisiana than that and the fairs and festivals drive so many people here. They meet a friend for life and they keep coming back for more. So this is something we got to make sure we do everything physically possible that we can accommodate these parades and listen to what works best for them and try to make it work. Billy, let me read you the, the mayor's uh, part of what he sent to the crews because this sounds like I, the city's not going to get the security. It's up to somebody else, meaning you probably or or somebody. The, this is from the mayor, and I'm quoting. The crew of Centaur Parade will not be held on February 3rd unless the crew can confirm they have or someone else has retained an additional 60 security personnel. So they're looking for 60. Um, and it's like the crew has to go out and find these people or Billy Nungesser. 
I put your name in there for someone else. So it's like he's giving you permission to go find the 60 officers they need. Um, as you sit here today and talk to us, are you confident you can do that or no? Um, I don't know. You know, uh, I, I'm the governor last week was out of town. Um, if, if the, in my conversation with the tourism folks and if they want me to reach out to the governor, I surely will. Um, and, but we also going to have to reach out to who may be the next governor because, you know, this is after the first of the year. So it's a little bit of a trick bag there. We get a commitment from this governor. Will the new governor commit to that? Also other sheriff's departments, lending offices, but, but, you know, to do that without the support of the mayor, um, I, we need to have that conversation. So I'll, I'll reach out to the crews and, and to Stacy, the head of tourism, because it's their, it's their city. And I just want to assist, but if I'll do whatever I can do to help fix the problem, if it's fixable. Billy Nungesser, can you hold with us through the break? We got to take a real quick sure. break. Thank you, sir. On the on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, uh, Mike and McCarty, we'll be back after the break. Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Governor Billy Nungesser on his way to Natchitoches this morning, then on your way into Shreveport later on this this afternoon today, right? Speaking in the committee of 100, I know they unveiled the um, option A I want to discuss with them uh, uh, to that, that project. Your phone is Finally. jacking up again. Can you hear me now? There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, to make a commercial with that. Uh, Billy, <laughs> let me let me ask you this. The, the mayor on our show last week said he called you. He has not heard peep from you since all this happened. Is that accurate? Well, I did get an email from him, I believe, yesterday. My office said that said he found my email in a in a spam file. So he did find it. Um, I did send him an email when I learned of this problem. I believe it was August 11th, uh, explaining my concerns about changing the dates uh, after just promoting uh, Mardi Gras in Australia and New Zealand uh, for all of North Louisiana to get people to plan a trip there. Um, so he did acknowledge that he found it in his spam uh, email. I think yesterday he sent an email to me. Okay. So what was his response to you asking not to change the dates? Well, he really didn't respond to that. Uh, he just responded that he got my email and he'd be glad to discuss the situation uh, with me. And um, so that, you know, that's where it stands. So If, if he is uh, saying to folks that, uh, and I don't know this to be true, but if he is saying to folks that he does not know if the Mardi Gras uh, squeeze is worth the juice, you know, I'm, miss, I'm mixing my... But, but if, if we're expending way more money than we're really getting out of it, do you believe that or do you think we get way more from um, the Mardi Gras impact than uh, government folks might realize? Way more. 
and, and look, the economic benefit, it's, it's documented by region, by state, uh, the people that come and spend money for Mardi Gras. And it's also the publicity we get. Look, I had people come write me that came from Japan and wrote about them throwing hot dogs in Shreveport Mardi Gras. Um, so the, the long reaching, um, of, of Mardi Gras that's talked about around the world about Mardi Gras in Louisiana, it, it's, it has a ripple effect. So without hosting those parades and those celebrations, and then the money they spend in the community on beads, on events year round, and it's just a great part of our, our local economy, and, and they do great civic work too. So it's 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 something that we should support and embrace. I mean, these crews do great work. They do a lot of charity work, and and it's a great it's a great uh, community event. So uh, the economic benefit, I think, the number the proof is in the pudding, far outweighs the cost to the cities, and that's why we try to promote it around the world. Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, what are your thoughts on? I mean, this wouldn't be ideal, but the crews combining and making one parade on February 10th, which is already set, with uh, combining Centaur and Gemini. I'd have to punt that to them. Crews, you know, what does it do to the crowds? What does it do to the plan? Um, like I said, I, I'm here to support the crews, the mayor, and the tourism folks from Shreveport, Boja, in whatever decisions are best. But I just wanted to point out that changing dates of parades this late in the game when people are making plans um, could have some negative impact on people that travel, especially from abroad, um, to, to Mardi Gras. So uh, I'm here to support any effort I can to make it the best Mardi Gras it can be, not tell the mayor or the crews what they should or shouldn't do. But I just wanted to point out that there could be some problems with people already making plans if we change these dates. The mayor also had concerns that this is a five-mile-long route, and it's one of the longest in the state. But I was sent some information yesterday that several of the New Orleans parades are, are well over five miles. Ours is not unusually long, is it, to your knowledge? Uh, I don't think so. And look, the, the, the length of it, sometimes it's is a good thing because you know you spread the crowds out you don't get them bunched up in one area which in a lot of cases has created problems especially in the new Orleans area where you had so many people bunched into a smaller route so i'm sure there's pros and cons of both from law enforcement and from crowd control but there again i look to the local law enforcement and crew people that have done this plan this year after year to to make those decisions for me to say one's good or bad without having the, the knowledge they have would not be appropriate for me to comment what's the best thing for three or four bosier billy uh one quick question in the last 30 seconds here um is like off-duty mps from barksdale or barksdale personnel would that be a possibility well that would be have something that the mayor's going to have to accept what, what is appropriate to use for, you know, that's why when we offered some of our park ranges, would they accept that? I don't know that yet. 
And those are all discussions. You know, I wanted to work through the tourism folks and the crews because they know best what they need to do. And um, and then I'll meet with the mayor and, and offer any assistance I can. Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, grab one of those meat pies while you're in Natchitoches, and thanks for your time. Have a great day, my friend. Hey, grab, you bet. Grab two of them if you would. <laughs> you Mike, got it. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. They say if your problems can be solved by money, then you have no problems. Hmm. Think about that. Yeah. I, now, I don't know if I totally agree. I'm not with sure that. I totally agree. I'd love to give it a shot. Yeah, the, the, I'd be willing to be their volunteer guinea pig. I, I remember a quote, and I don't know how true it is, but it was attributed to David Lee Roth, and they said, Money can't buy happiness. And he said, yeah, but it can buy you a big-ass boat. You can sail right up next to it. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. $672 million for tonight. And um, that's a lot of cash. I think you get a lump sum payout of $310 million or something like that. So you take a third of that off for the government. So you're going to walk away tax-free more than $200 million. $200 million. Out of a $678 million yeah. prize. Or you can let the government keep it for you for 20 years. Let them invest it and then pay you the money over 20 years. Hell that no. ain't happening. No. I don't that like ain't happening. On, 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 like when you do taxes at the end of the year, mm-hmm. do you get a big refund? No. I want to ma- balance it out. Thank you. Perfect. I want all exactly my money. right. You don't want a huge refund. No. And you don't want to obviously owe a lot more. If I owe them a couple hundred, I'm perfect. I did it right. Right. You know? Exactly. That's if all you're, I if want. You, yeah. If you're getting a huge refund at the end of the year, then you're giving the government your money. To, to play with. To play with, and they're going to earn interest on that money, mm-hmm. not you. They're not going to send you that. Heck to the no, no. they're not. So. so, yeah, talk to your tax professional. Yeah. I want to talk, like a I wanna talk term limits when we get back. Can we do that? Term limits. I'm a little bit pibbed. A little bit. <laughs> a little, just a little. Just a little. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. I get it. I I have I have mixed feelings feelings on uh, on term limits. Mm-hmm. I'm not on the fence, but I, I really because you know I can I can see the the uh, the argument of well you know this congressman has been in you know he's in this position he's in a leadership position in Congress. And, you know, he's able to get things done and he's able to uh, wield authority. But then I understand I'm biased and I want that congressman that thinks the way I do. Right, exactly. In that position. And I understand that. Well, down to the local level, they've been feuding in Bossier over term limits for a good six months, probably longer than that. The city council, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Because residents went out and got a petition signed by nearly 3,000 registered voters. The registrar certified it. 
Um, they've been fighting over whether it should be decertified because it doesn't have date of birth of those voters on it. So that's a whole nother issue. But the council has repeatedly voted not to put it on the ballot. Uh, yesterday, they took another vote of putting it on the ballot or not. And it failed by a tie vote, three to three. One council member, Jeff Free, was not there. Um, but we did get, you did see Councilman Vince Maggio join with Brian Hammonds and Chris Smith to vote for it. So they're kind of at loggerheads. Now, when Jeff Free gets back, can he be swayed to do it? Was he an original no? I'm not sure. Somebody text me from the Bozier, Bozier side. Let me know about Jeff Free's vote. I haven't fully researched that and I apologize. But, um, I'm of the opinion Let's let the voters just decide. Put it on the ballot Put it and on let's the ballot. see. They obviously want it on the ballot. They want it on the ballot. And they may go out and do another petition if they have to get the birth dates, but they don't want to have to do that. They think the petition's been certified. The attorney general has said, you know, that's a decision for the registrar, not for me. Um, and the registrar made the decision mm-hmm. and certified the right. list. Absolutely. Now the city attorney is saying that he's going to go back, you know, take it to court to find out is it indeed should it have been certified or not. So now we're going to spend money to do that. Um, wow. Just put the issue on the ballot. Let the voters decide. And I understand it's, the council members say, you know, term limits is vote me out. That's my term limit. But I don't know that when you get so deeply entrenched in politics, you don't understand the inherent... Uh, advantage you have by being an incumbent. Oh, I think they absolutely understand that, which is why yeah, they're fighting. You might be right. They're might be fighting right. term limit, you know, having their term limited. It is way easier if I were to go into a room as a sitting council member and some yuha walks in as a running against me person mm-hmm. and put our hands out. It is way easier for someone to give me money. I'm already in the office. I've already got a track record that you know how I how I vote. You know if I'm on your, you know, voting the way you like. Um, with the new person, you're not sure. You don't have a record of how they're going to vote. You don't know you know what kind of council member they will be. So you have an advantage, and you have a fundraising advantage, and you have a, an advantage in terms of um, being there, being in the seat, and a knowledge of of how things work. And some people think that's a good thing, that we should have councils that know how things work. Right. You know, because we can look at the Shreveport Council and see the turmoil that we have. You know, every four years when new ones come on, they try to do things that are illegal or not right. And you have to remind them, hey, you got to give notice before you have meetings. You can't have four of you in a room. You know, you you got to tell them about all the rules. Um, so and I, granted, if I were to be elected, you'd have to tell me. You know, yeah. I, I don't know all the procedures. Right. I'm not yeah. going to act like I do. And how to stop speeches when council leaders are giving long speeches. You know, if you've been there a long time, you know how to stop that. You know how to get it done. So I don't know. I just think to let the voters decide. These folks have gone to a lot of trouble. Put it on the ballot. Let's see what happens. Ricky Bridges, crew of Centaur Captain, going to join us coming up next hour. Micah McCarty, 1017 FM. More breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarthy on 1017 FM and 710 Keel.
Just looking at the Shreveport Security Systems message board. We were talking about the um, taxes, tax return, yeah, mm-hmm. and getting a big refund. And uh, one of the messages people have been conditioned to expect and live for that tax refund. Imagine not having that money withheld from your paycheck in the first place. Mm, nice. Yeah, but I mean, you gotta pay taxes. We yeah. we have to pay taxes. But you know, our I friend think everybody Doug everybody understands that. Our concept. friend our friend Doug, who's who's been pushing the fair tax, I think since he was in the cray in the crib. <laughs> um Which I, I agree with. I just don't I, think it'll ever happen. Any more I, than the flat tax will ever happen. Let's just say the fair tax is has not it can't have one loophole. So you know, Bill Gates has no loopholes. Right. Bill Gates has to pay his 5% or whatever it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And then everybody pays the same. Uh, how is that not fair? How is it if not fair? If you make 10000 a year, then you'll only pay, what if it's 5%, you know, $500. But if right. you make $10 million a year, then, then you pay your percentage. Right. And I, What's and not fair about that? The problem with it is that government always starts putting in loopholes. And guess who's good at finding the loopholes? Rich people. And lawyers. Because they can hire lawyers and financial folks and they can find every loophole. They can go, oh, we're just going to go out and buy artwork because that's exempt. Or we're going to buy real estate because that'll be exempt. Or we're going to do this. You know, no loopholes. Everybody pays the same percentage. Mm -hmm. And and, And I'm okay with if you're under a certain threshold income, no tax. I'm okay with that. If you make under twenty grand, you don't pay a tax because you're already paying sales taxes everywhere. And you're pay- if you own property, See, no, no, I'm okay with that. You're paying a lot less. You're you're paying the same amount percentage wise as everybody else. I I don't agree with that. Well, I I, I know, I, and I would be willing to negotiate on that. I really would, you know, to let certain people who are making who are barely making ends meet. But then now you're opening a graduated scale door. Then yeah, you're saying then yeah. the, then the wealthy are going to go. Well, now wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Right. I understand. But the vast majority of those making under that amount are getting a lot of public assistance anyway. And do we want? Do we? If if we have to, if they keep paying taxes, do they get more public assistance? You follow me? Does it balance out because we have to give them more now because they make less money? I don't know. But it's a long subject that. I just don't understand why lawmakers don't grasp it and look at it and at least think about it. I think I, Doug's I got a point. No, I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. I, 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 like I said, what's not fair about it? Yeah. And and if you don't have a middle class, you don't have a country. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. There with are you. people that do not understand how fortunate we are in this country. The middle class is bearing 90% of the burden mm-hmm. of this country. And many of them are hanging on by their fingertips to stay Absolutely. in the middle class right now. With inflation right now going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. And and <laughs> and you're wanting more money? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and speaking of which, uh, minimum wage mm-hmm. is another one of those issues. Yeah. We'll talk about that after the news. Guess who's pushing it? You'll I don't... be shocked. <laughs> Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 Q.
101.7 FM, 710 Keo, Mike and McCarty. Middle of the week, Ruben um, still out up in a cabin in Arkansas, off in the middle of nowhere. So hopefully he'll be mm-hmm. refreshed, rejuvenated, and renewed right. when he comes back re-Monday. <laughs> Get your butt back here, boy. Yeah, he'll be back. He'll be back, I'm sure. (laughs) There's some fighting now over the minimum wage. And um, Louisiana Senator Bill Cassidy is teaming up with some of his Republican colleagues to introduce a bill to raise the minimum wage. Um, He's taken some heat for it. There are, you know, there have been traditionally a lot of Republicans have been anti-minimum wage increase and kind of let the market determine what wages are are paid to people um but they're pushing for it he wants it to go this bill that's by uh, i think tom cotton and mitt romney raise it from 725 to 11 dollars over four years so i guess it would be incrementally going up right um and cassidy says um there needs to be i'm quoting him a little more support for lower income americans who the senator says have been particularly hurt by inflation which he blames on the president's policies uh is this going to really uh well, tick I, people off at cassidy <laughs> any more so than they already are you you got a point You're i right. mean there uh, there's a, a a huge contingent of conservatives that don't believe he's conservative at all. Mm-hmm. They call him a rhino. A rhino, yeah. mm-hmm. Republican in name only. Um, so will this hurt him? I, you know, who knows? Nail in the coffin? You know, the final nail? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. But, you know, the, the minimum wage issue, this is another one that I'm like, of course you want people to have enough money. Right, right. But look at... What's going to happen? Even, even uh, you know, American Ground. They were talking about right before the break. It's gonna, it's gonna, you're gonna put six million people out of work, according to what the statistics that they read, by forcing employers to pay more. You're going to have less employees if they can only afford their payroll. If they can only afford X amount every month. Mm-hmm. What's or or then, will they raise their prices? And then cost of goods are going to go right. up. I would think they would probably raise their prices rather than lay people off. I don't now, know. In 2023, with with Biden inflation going on the way it is right now, mm-hmm. is 725, should it be bumped up? I think so. I'm not opposed to that. But, good, you know, not you, you're, you can't double it. No. And it, it's, again... That's not what it was intended to do. A poll, a Pew Research poll shows two-thirds of Americans, 66%, support a minimum wage of $15 an hour. That is doubling it. Absolutely doubling it. In Louisiana, an LSU poll from four years ago, 82% say the minimum wage should be eight fifty. 82%. That's a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where you probably fall. It sounds like, you know, a, a reasonable increase to eight fifty an hour sure. right now right. would be okay. Here's the problem. This is the funny part about this. Democrats may sink this bill. You know why? And you're, you're like, what? It's not enough. <sighs> it's not enough. They want it to go higher 
and their new effort, they may block this latest bill because it doesn't increase it fast enough and and higher. So there may be they may be fighting the, a bill that is doing kind of what you want, but it's just not doing it your way. So you're going to block the bill. That to me is government at its worst. It really is. It's absolutely. Bernie Sanders wants a $17 minimum wage, a federal minimum wage of $17 an hour. That would be awesome. Yeah, way to go, millionaire. But how does that impact all of us? How does that impact small business? You know, Walmart might be able to manage that. Because Walmart can sell a few more widgets well, and they can raise their prices. They're going to raise prices, absolutely. And then people are going to complain more about mm-hmm. higher prices of goods. But Jim Bob's General Store, they're fighting to keep people coming into their store. If they raise their prices much, they're going to lose business and they're going to have to close. So what so are they going to have to do? They're going to have to lay off workers. Absolutely. They're going to have to work their they're people harder. To pay twice as much for an employee. They're going to be half. They're going to be half of a number of employees. There has to be a fair balance here, and I don't see that either side has gotten has gotten there yet. Um, I just see, don't know what'll happen. I I agree with one of the messages we just got on the Shreveport Security Systems message board. It's on the Keel News app, by the way. Minimum wage isn't meant to be a living wage. Well, it's that's funny. It's an introduction into the workforce. Well, when FDR instituted the minimum wage it's exactly what he said it was well you want to this talk about needs, fdr and how he's he needs it to it it was put in place to be a living wage now if we've changed that we need to let that be known that it's now not a living wage that's how it was put in place back when franklin put it in franklin roosevelt put it in place so you know back then it was a living wage and he thought we needed it to be such now, if it's changed, and he thought we a lot only... of things that the government should be doing is <laughs> that I don't yes, agree with. I, I understand, but but go research it. Go look at how it was first put in place. Instead of raising wages, increase tariffs on Chinese goods. We're strangling ourselves, letting our markers be dominated. I'm sure that's markets now, be dominated by child labor from overseas. Now you got a point. That's yeah. Let's Another stop message. flooding our oh, our stores with all these Chinese goods that are so cheap. Well, you know, Biden's bent over backwards to mm-hmm. capitulate to China every way he can. Right. He's literally sold our country out mm-hmm. to China. Our friend Wade Lovelace, Love Shreveport, put a post up the other day. This was hilarious. He said, "Hey y'all, I just spent thirty seven ninety two. I got all the parts I need for to make me a helicopter straight out of China." <laughs> Right. I mean, you can buy all kinds of stuff from China at pennies on the dollar. Now, will they last? No. You're wasting your money. <laughs> See, uh, and my wife's like, why do you have to have the best of everything? I don't. But when I buy lawn equipment, mm-hmm. I'm not going to buy a cheap Walmart brand lawnmower. Right. Because exactly. I'm going to have to replace it next year. Mm-hmm. I'd rather get one that's going to last me five, six yes. years. Exactly. So I'll pay a little more. Mm-hmm. Look at the overall cost of ownership, not the initial price. Oh, yeah. All right. Mardi Gras, we'll talk about that at 740. Ricky Bridges, uh, crew of Centaur Captain, going to join us. Mike. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel.
1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Kind of a discussion about uh, minimum wage. A couple of points on the Shreveport Security Systems message board. Uh, raising the minimum wage to 850 changes nothing. No one currently pays that anyway. Even McDonald's pays at least $10. Popeye's pays $13. Right. And also look at this. When you go into a McDonald's now, do you do you talk to an employee at the counter? No. You order off of a kiosk now. McDonald's has also opened in Fort Worth a location that is employee-less. There are no employees when you go in. It's like a big vending machine. No employees. Also at Circle K. Look at Circle K. You go in now. They've got a table with a with a camera up there that has a scanner. You don't deal with an employee anymore. That's you true. scan your items. It, it it looks at what you have, rings you up, and you're on your way. They're phasing out employees. And so you know you're raising the minimum wage. What are you doing? Yeah, you're you're, you're hurting. You're hurting American. You're hurting businesses, which means you're hurting the American worker. I know it, it seems odd to say that, but if you look at how it's going to affect the American business owner, that's what's going to happen. Right. People are not, people are fed up with it too, especially when you go to like a Walmart and you check yourself out mm-hmm. and then they want you to show your receipt at the door. No, I had to do all your work for you. Right. <laughs> what's the guy supposed Heck to no. said he's sitting in the Walmart break room? Drinking their, you know, coffee. What are you doing in here? Well, I just scanned my own groceries and bagged all my stuff. I figure I could come in here and get a cup of coffee and take a break. Exactly. I I work Uh, for you. Yeah, I'm an employee now. I'm doing all your work. That's so true. So true. Oh, man. Minimum, here's what. The minimum wage increases is nothing more than big corporations putting local businesses out of business to increase market share by a few percentage points. Mm. Oh, boy. Because like you said, you know, a Walmart could absorb that. Yes. Easier than, you know, a locally owned, even a locally owned, like, True Value Hardware or something. No, they can't. They'll have to lay people off. They would have to lay people off. Absolutely. Uh, I just had an adventure. Um, (laughs) After the news, I'm going to tell you about it. Learn something new about my job today. Really? Yes, I did. Just now. After 40 years? Yes. Well, see, that means you're a smart person. You're still learning. And you didn't come help me with my problem. Did you fall down? I couldn't. I'm running the board now. (laughs) I I told you. I'm sorry. Did I fall down? Did you fall down? (laughs) (laughs) No, I did not fall down. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. (laughs) Well, Well, when we get back. I can't wait to hear this. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. I don't like you anymore. It, well, it, it, you've got to have one of those things around your neck. If you fall down, you can push the button and it, you know, it'll alert my phone or something. I was pushing the button, but I didn't, nobody came to help. Yeah, but it wasn't really a button. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was the fault. Here's the deal. Our, our guest, Ricky Bridges, is joining us next, but he came to the front door and I went to go let him in. Well, when you open the interior door to go to the exterior door, it locks behind you. Right. Because so if I somebody get the, does get in the front door, they still can't get into the hallway. Right. 
So I get into the lobby and I say, hey to Ricky, how you doing? Beep, 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 beep. And we go to we go to come into the interior door and it's locked. You turn around and can't get back in. And here I am pushing the button to get you to come rescue me. And it's not a dinger. It's a key fob thing that I don't have with me. And so he had to call one of our other employees that's down the hall who works at one of the other stations to come down and let us in. Because you didn't come rescue me. You're like, oh, she just fell down. She's did, probably well, in the I toilet. I was wondering where you were, but <laughs> I figured. <laughs> so I learned something new. The door locks behind you up there. Yeah, Didn't you know gotta that. have your key fob to get back in. Yeah, even inside the building. Mm-hmm. We are going to talk Mardi Gras next. Crew of uh, Centaur Captain Ricky Bridges joining us. Mike and McCarty, one hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Well, in studio with us this morning, Ricky Bridges, crew of Centaur. Captain Ricky, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Now, you guys have already talked, uh, spoken with Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser. Yes, sir. Well, of course, we're talking about Mardi Gras, all the confusion that's going on uh, with Mardi Gras changing the dates. That's the biggest contention, I think. Yes, sir. That's one of the biggest concerns. The, ma- the mayor has said you guys need to find 60 additional security personnel. That's correct. So that Centaur can remain on that February 3rd date and roll from Lake Street. That's correct. Um, are you making any headway on that? You know, that's... Uh, I don't understand, you know, I was in law enforcement for 42 years. I, I feel, I feel for them, but now I'm in the Mardi Gras crew and what authority do I have as a captain with a crew to reach out to try to get these security people? You know, it's going to take somebody from his office or Chief Smith's office or to actually go out and requisition these people. All they have to do is ask. Mm-hmm. And when I talked to the lieutenant governor, he kind of briefed me a little bit on what he had in mind for some park rangers and possibly troopers. And But it, the request is going to have to come from the city. And because you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be privy to how much you're, they're paying, when they get paid, what they're going to be doing, unless you, unless you're expected to foot the right, bill for right. these officers. And nobody said a word about pay. You know, it's just I right. need people. He's he said from day one when we first met with him that money is not a problem. Mm-hmm. He said I need people. Okay, well if we get people, who's going to pay them? You know, I, and what's the rate? And exactly. how many hours do you t- do I tell them they're working? All That's that, correct. all yes, the ma'am. logistics. That's true. Um, so where are you now? You know, I want to have another meeting with him. And, you know, we just want a seat at the table. You know, we we had our – when I took over as captain for my second time in March, that was my first priority to reach out to SPAR. Let's get a meeting together. And what are we going to do this coming year? And that went on for – what three months four months mm-hmm. and finally we got a meeting on august 3rd and we walked in the room and and uh and there was really no discussion it was uh you know we got some changes we want to make and the mayor talked for five minutes and then turned it over to tom dark and they had a contract laying on the table when we got there and it's like okay there's no discussion here and uh you know and since then you know that's that's my deal okay they said that they had been meeting for two or three months looking at the different changes. Why not bring us to the table? We have 30 years of experience of doing a Mardi Gras parade. We can help you. 
and uh, at least let us have input, you know. Well, let me ask you this. Is is the option of just pulling out oh, that's on option. the table right now? That's an option. Have y'all discussed going, you know what, we're not rolling? Do I, you know, do I want to go there? No. Obviously not, not but, it, but is that but something that you, y'all have discussed? We have discussed it. And, uh, you know, it's like I said, I hope it doesn't come to that. I feel like that once the lieutenant governor sits down with the mayor and gives him the options that he can do and help out with, I think it's going to solve itself. Yeah. Uh, Nungesser told us yesterday that uh, park rangers, mm-hmm. state park rangers were, were possibly That's an correct. option that he's looking into. That's what he's told us. Yes, sir. Ricky Bridges, crew of Centaur Captain. For for you and your crew and your board, what is a deal breaker as we sit here today? That's a good question. Uh, I think most of our crew, when I've spoken to them, is the date change. You know, he's already agreed that he would leave the, the full route, and he said he had enough people to cover that. And I think it's the change in the date. And, uh, you know, we... They keep saying the African-American parades had their date for 30-something years. Well, we've had, you know, it's always 10 days before First Tuesday or the Fat Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've had that for 30, 35 years, as long as we've existed. And But, you know, it feels like we're being thrown up against the wall and everything else is, you know, there's no negotiating. Now, the parade start time, uh, the mayor wants the, all the parades to be over before dark. Right. Is that something, I mean, obviously, you, you want to start at 2, you have to start at 2.30. Is right. that something that you want to work on and uh, we would to love, be able to we would roll love, at night? We would love to have a later time. You know, we spend all this money on lights, putting on these floats, and, you know, the, the public likes that. And, but, you know... I, it's like I've told everybody, there's got to be give and take between both of us. And, you know, we rolled up, I believe, last year at 3 o'clock, you know, and I've tried to tell my crew, what's 30 more minutes? You know, we, we're going to have to give somewhere. Is the parade more dangerous at night? You know, I've been told that the stats from last year, and y'all know my brother, and he's a stat guy, mm-hmm. and there was one arrest during our parade last year. So tell me where the crime rate's at. You know, mm. they had the shooting during the Gemini parade. That was an accidental. That, that wasn't know. even an act of violence and, per and, se. And I, I mean, obviously it was a violent, but you know what I'm saying. I don't care if you got 500 or 1,000 officers standing on the corner. You're not going to prevent that. It's eventually going to happen. And, you know, we hate it happen. You know, it kind of put a bad light on things. But, you know, that's uncontrollable. That was just teenagers being teenagers. Pretty much. Uh, um, Make sure you cut out our next element because we're going to go long. Um, sorry, I'm just giving Mike a little <laughs> help. Yeah. Let me let me ask. Ruben's you, not here, right? Let me let me ask you this, Ricky. Um, when is your deadline? When do you guys have to say, okay, it's a done deal. We've got to deal with the city. Here we are. I mean, do you have a drop dead date? Uh, when we had the very first meeting with the mayor, that was my last question to to the staff that was there. Is, when would they need to know if we're going to change the date or stay on or we're going to fight the date? And he said probably December, first part of January, that they need to know by oh, then. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. there's plenty of time. There's plenty still. of time. And that's because what we were told in the meeting. We, we know uh, from our discussions with the Lieutenant Governor Nungesser, he does not want to change the dates. He's been working international travel right. and tourism 
that he says are, are coming to right. North Louisiana, he not said, just Louisiana Mardi Gras, but North Louisiana Mardi Gras. Yes, sir. He told us that he has been to Australia, New Zealand, mm-hmm. promoting Mardi Gras for North Louisiana. And, you know, you have people that's making reservations, you know, ahead of time and making travel plans. Absolutely. And then you right here at the dead end start changing dates, you know, and that's that's what we had, you know, that's why I say we just wanted to to be at the table and let us interject what we know about Mardi Gras. And, uh, you know, I can probably guarantee you that the people we met with with the city doesn't have a clue how to, you know, the logistics of setting one up and we got it down to a science ricky if if the city or city leaders say that that the economic impact of the mardi gras is not nearly what folks claim the lieutenant governor disagrees he thinks it's huge um do they need better numbers do we because we see the i mean i live right there in the in the parade i see all the people i you know i know people are in hotels um are they are they missing something must be we uh you know back two years or excuse me three years ago when we met with perkins and had the same issues you know stacy brown with the tourist bureau she was great with with her numbers and i feel like she is spot on and you know at that particular time we were looking at probably around 20 22 million dollar economic impact they want to throw that out the door Uh, question i can't answer well, let me play devil's advocate then, because there are those that say there's no real economic impact. They say people that are coming in, they bring their food, they bring their coolers, they even bring their own beer. They're not spending money in stores. A lot of them aren't staying in hotels. Where is that economic impact? From what I've heard is, you know, especially like the people in Shreve City, they love it. There's, I think there's one daiquiri shop or something that's out that way, and and he said, but they're not doing twenty-two million dollars uh, no, in, not that in much, business. But, but he said that uh, you know, for the two parade dates, that he makes more money in them two days than he does all year. Mm. The grocery stores love it, and uh, you know, you got hotel motel people, you know, doing hotel motels, mm-hmm. and you know, travel, gas, eating. You know, mm-hmm. it's. I just feel that it's there. And uh, Ricky, let me let me ask and I and pretend like we're not on the radio station okay. if you don't mind. Y'all turn off like the mics. We're just you, you and go. me talking, just girls talking. Um what's behind this? What's behind this resistance from the the mayor and the administration? What do you suspect? I feel like that there's some politics in it. And, uh, How so? You have the African American parade, which we are not. I, I've told this from day one. We are not in competition with them people. You know, mm-hmm. I we love their parade. You know, we love everybody parading. And uh, I just feel that there's getting more pressure on us than them. You know, have they asked them? We've offered to let them ride in front of us, and I hadn't heard one peep out of them. And you don't, you know, when you hear the mayor talk or anybody else there's no mention of hey what's the african-american parade doing are they having to try to get security and and that's what i that's what i don't understand you know why Mm -hmm. is it it seems like when we get a new mayor every year there's changes they're wanting changes Mm -hmm. and this thing has worked for 30 something years why change it and i i get the shortage of the officers you know i've dealt with that and uh but 
it can be worked. There's resources out there that will come help us and get this done. Ricky Bridges, Crew of Centaur Captain. Thanks for coming in. Yes, ma'am. Thank mm-hmm. y'all for having me. Thank you, Ricky. Yes, 1017 sir. FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarthy. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarthy on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. Aaron, this seems to be so much a, a, a tempest in a teacup. Uh, I mean, it, yeah. there's one issue. There's one issue that seems like it. As far as Mardi Gras security personnel, it seems like that could have been. We knew that in advance. We've known it for months. Mm-hmm. Why are we still talking about it? <sighs> I don't know. I, I, I don't. I really don't. <laughs> I I hope they can work things out. I know the lieutenant governor will be meeting with the mayor next Friday. You know, I'm kind of hoping it's mano a mano. Let's iron it out, work it out, and be done. Uh, and then come back, you know, sit down before all of us and go, we have a deal. We found like, the security. It's not like Mardi Gras is a surprise. Oh, right. Oh, Mardi Gras here. No, you know. Exactly. We know in 2024. Mm-hmm. We know in 2025. Yes. These are the dates. Right. These you, are our dates. Let's get it worked out. It's all attached to Easter. Whatever the date of Easter is, that's how right. Mardi Gras parade dates are fixed. And it's, you know, it, there's no surprise about that. So it's not like the African-American parade's date's been the same. Well, so he's right. So has the Mardi Gras date. It's always 10 days right. before Fat Tuesday. So that's kind of how it works. Well, uh, John Schroeder, uh, Louisiana governor, gubernatorial candidate, going to be joining us after the local news top of the hour. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710keel.com. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio with uh, gubernatorial candidate John Schroeder joining us. As uh, I'm sure you're making rounds this morning. Uh, first of all, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Thank you for coming in, bearing gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should that say smell that. good. They're still hot. They're still warm. You know, Southern made donuts might buy a vote. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> It goes a long way with me. Yeah, it does. You're you are um, trying to catch Jeff Landry. Uh, everybody in the race, it seems, is trying to catch Jeff Landry. The latest poll numbers show him at forty percent, which I find kind of uh, way out there. Um, how how tough is it going to be to catch? Look, him? I don't really pay attention to it. Okay, you know, I told y'all when I decided to get in this race back in February, it had nothing to do who was in in the race. It was more about what I bring to the table. I clearly bring something very different to the table as a businessman. Um, but I will tell you this, in our poll last week, 58% of the people were undecided. 58%. So there's a lot's going to happen in the next three weeks. There's a function of money. We just started our first uh, ad in Baton Rouge on Monday. You know, so up, uh, you know, two weeks from now, if we sitting here having this conversation and, and I'm sitting where I'm at, then I got a problem. You have set yourself apart from the other candidates i've watched both the debates i've seen some of the messages 
Um, you have set yourself apart saying, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to stop cronyism. I'm going to stop all this political shenanigans that's going on in Louisiana. Great message. How do you do it in Louisiana, a state that's riddled with yeah. that? You know, it's funny. I thought you were going to say something else. Great message. Do people really care? And, and you know, we're going to find out. People mm-hmm. talk about Louisiana politics. You hit nationally. I mean, look, I'm the, uh, two weeks ago, I ended my, my yearly, my year long chairmanship of the state treasurer's foundation that I, that I'm on. And, uh, Aaron, it's, it's really sad when you, when you're in a national, uh, setting and people talk about cronium and corruption comes up and they always turn to Louisiana. So look, I'm going to bring that to the table. I offer, I tell the people of Louisiana, we can change this. I manage a $60 billion operation. You can imagine the phone calls, the meetings, the request, the ask. It's very easy. It's a simple little word that I'm teaching my grandkids now. No, N-O. We're not going to do that anymore. If you, if you are elected governor and we find out you've hired your nephew or something, somebody close to you. Right. Um, would you say, I've made a mistake. This I did not really. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Will you, will you fess up and go? I shouldn't have done that. There's that no, was a, a what if what if the what if the the nephew is the most qualified candidate though? But but there are all laws that already restrict that, mm-hmm. and I haven't done that. When I got elected treasurer, I walked in hat in hand. I did not bring a single person off my campaign team. Nobody can say that. Nobody, because statewide elect officials bring their friends into their team and a lot of times i get it because you want somebody close to watch things but i have confidence in why i'm there if i'm not there for politics i'm there to run the operation so if you yeah, but that goes all the way down to the city council level yeah mm-hmm. but if, if you're there no you're right this isn't just at the state level now this is across the board <laughs> mm-hmm. if you're there to run the operation which is that's another thing i campaign about we somebody uh, we need a governor to run the infrastructure to state and i don't mean roads and bridges i mean government's role is to deliver good education, and good law enforcement. That's really, as a veteran of both law enforcement and the military, that's really what government started out as. Now government has its hand in everything. It's no wonder we, we do nothing well, okay? So, no, you have to start with the operational. And and I, t- I promise this, I'm going to go work five Mondays a week because that's what I do. That's why I'm here. I don't need to do this. I want to do it. When John Bell Edwards took over, and I've said this over and over again, Barrow Peacock, who's here with you today, probably has heard it. I know what you're going to say. The state budget was yep. $29 billion. Our state budget, Mr. Schroeder, today is over $45 billion. Yeah. And we don't have nearly as many residents in our state. I want you to give me some examples of how you're going to rein that in. We are fat cats in Louisiana, and we don't need to be. You're stealing my commercial. Look, the fat cats are going to be last in my administration. I mean, look, I represent the 85 percentile. I'm tired of the 85 percentile sort of being crapped on by the 15 percentile uh, because they're in the loop. And then the 85%, we just go to work every day. We pay our bills. We pay our taxes, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and all the new laws and all the regulations come down on us. Well, you look at the campaign finance reports. It's not hard, Mr. and Mrs. Google and you tell me who's, who's what in this race and, and look at the money and why somebody's donating $350,000 to, to a candidate. I mean, you have to ask why. 
why would you even do that? How do you start reining in that budget, though? Where it do you start? It starts with the governor. It starts with the governor. It starts with priorities. When you look at the money that was spent, I know the senator's sitting here. I have long railed on how we spend money in that building. I was a I was a strong fiscal conservative when I got there. I'm still today. I have been as your state treasurer. Arguably, I think we've done as good a job as anybody's ever sat in that seat. Whoever takes this job will walk into a fine running, well oiled machine. Okay, because I went to work every day. We brought in talent. We pay talent. You got to pay for talent, Aaron, just like here. You don't get things for free in this state. If you want good quality people, then you have to pay them. It's a huge problem right now. Uh, eight out of ten of my senior executives are females. They all make six figures or more. They're all making six figures or more. It wasn't that way when I got there because I needed talent. You needed talent. We run a $60 billion, that's with a B, dollar operation. You have to run it like a business. It's every bit of business. But it starts with the leader, okay? You, the, the leader has to have be impeccable. And did I make mistakes? Absolutely. But I never took a, a penny from anybody. I never took an illegal trip. I never went hunting. I never went fishing. I never got on airplanes. I never got on helicopters. Nothing. I've never abused or took one abusive step while in office. Okay? Somebody has to be the leader from mm-hmm. that because it has, it, has, it has just infected the whole process. We're going to take a break. Can you hold with us? Absolutely. Micah McCarty with uh, John Schroeder, candidate for governor, great state of Louisiana. 1017 FM 710. Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. In studio with uh, state gubernatorial candidate John Schroeder joining us this morning. Uh, thank you for coming in. You got uh, stops all over town today? Yep, yep. Four or five in a row today. Okay. Now, you were saying, of course, you're state treasurer now. What are you going to miss about state treasurer? Unclaimed property. You know, <laughs> I, I'm serious. It's a billion-dollar operation. You know, we, y'all, we, in, in the six years I've been governor, I mean governor, treasurer, we have returned more claims in six years than we did in the first 44 years combined. Mm-hmm. We've invested. You know, no, nobody talks about investing in government and spending money. You, that's what you have to do in your business. I did that on unclaimed property, or we did it. My director and I did it together. We came up with a game plan. And two years ago, we were named the top program in America. You know, so... There is an efficient way to do it, but I love it because, I, you know, we, we ride in a lot of parades promoting it. I mean, it's just been, that's been a fun part of Treasure. My staff loves it. You know, that staff's now about 27, 28 people. So um, I could have $27,354 sitting aside waiting for me that I don't know about that I had an Aunt Martha. Yep. LACashClaim.org. Mm-hmm. John Schroeder, let me ask you a question. Yes, ma'am. You're elected governor. What are the three things you're going to do on day one when you sit down at that desk on the fourth floor we're going to put together a series of summits to get to solutions before we call special sessions if i'm governor senator peacock's going to be glad he's termed out we are coming to work you Mm -hmm. know we are going to work five days a week summits on what issues Crime, education, and insurance. Insurance, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to be one of the, one of the first things I'm going to address 
is this cronyism corruption because it's going to start with my appointees. If my appointees misuse their positions, whether they're in the cabinet, whether they're in the secretaries, if they so much take an illegal meal, they will be fired on the spot. I'm going to have legislation put in place that will end this once and for all. We're infected by it, but it's not just – I hear where councilmen are taking um, contracts on, on big uh, economic development deals. We're infected in this state. We just accept it, and it has to stop, and it's going to start with the governor. So something that I'm going to turn the tide on very quickly. With 9,000 board appointees, I'm going to call a, a Saturday meeting, and if you don't show up, you're off the board. I'm going to set a code of conduct together, and I'm going to ask the legislature to put some laws in place. And I'm not one big for just passing laws, but I'm going to make it a misdemeanor. If you misuse your position on a board or as a public official uh, that works in, in state government, you will lose your job and you will be okay. fined. You, I want to go back to insurance for just a minute. Yes, sir. Uh, homeowners, I understand. Look, we have natural disasters that hit this state. You can't do anything about that. But automobile insurance, we're paying the highest rates in the nation. Yes. We know billboard lawyers are, are yes. affecting that. How are you as governor going to change that? Look, we're going to bring everybody to the table. And I said that my... We eventually have to work our way to, to a special session, but we, because we can't wait till next year or, or, or April, May and, and sign a law in, in August. We need to get on this immediately. So I'm going to handcuff them all to the table and I'm going to, I'm going to manage those meetings with the insurance commissioner. I'm going to be in those meetings. So. Uh, we're going to handcuff everybody to the table. We're not moving out till we come up with solutions, but we've been working on it. There's probably about 20 different things that can happen. No, no silver bullet though. It's, it, you need to do 20 things because any one by themselves doesn't work, but car insurance, property, two different issues. We have the worst legal climate in, a, in America, and all you got to do is ask the companies that invest money in the insurance markets. They don't want to come to Louisiana. So the, the, the legal, uh, industry, billboard lawyers, whatever you want to call them, they, they will, they're going to be at the table. They're either going to help us fix it or I'm going to fix it on their backs. Got a question for you. Um, someone who might be a supporter, but says, do you think running negative ads will help you? People I know, including me, do not like them. Let me tell you, I'm a former, um, CID special agent in the army. Uh, I was a narcotics agent. Um, what I did while you were paying my paycheck, was an open book to everybody. You have to answer for what you did when people are watching and when they're not. When elected officials do things under under the um, when they get a paycheck from you, the taxpayer, that is not negative. That is putting the facts out there. These are facts. Every commercial you see with my name on it is a fact. Mm -hmm. I don't believe you can take money uh, from an entity and also police them too. You just can't do it. It doesn't work. Not when you're the attorney general. One of the problems we have in law enforcement today is, look, my degree is in criminal justice. In law enforcement, you have to walk to a different walk than everybody else. You have to live and hold yourself to a higher standard because if you if confidence gets eroded, then your job is tough. Okay, there's certain careers and certain positions I think have to be the epitome Set the standard. An attorney general is one of those. 
state police commanders, one of those people who are in law enforcement have to live to that standard. If that's the career you pick, then you have to live to a different standard than everybody else because the public expects a certain um, things from you. Mm-hmm. And if you erode the public confidence, mm-hmm. then you're done. You have to have people with impeccable character who can discern and look at things. This may be legal. I might be able to do that, but it's going to look really bad. It's going to smell bad. It erodes the confidence that people have in your decision making. You sound real strong and definitive about what you want to do, but you, as governor, you also have to play well with others sometimes Absolutely. to get things done. How will you accomplish that? You I, have to work with lawmakers. Yeah, I have. Look, I have a record of that. And let, let me be clear here. I've proven running a $60 billion operation what I've done. Okay, you're not going to read one negative article in the last six years on the Department of Treasury. That's the great thing about Mr. and Mrs. Google. I went to work every day, not playing politics. You know why my name ID is pretty low? Because you elected me to be state treasurer. I went to work and did the job every day. I wasn't the culture warrior. I went to work and did the job that you elected me to do. And I would challenge anybody to find where we didn't do that job. What I'm proposing is I can do this across state government. I have proven to myself running the Department of Treasury that the rest of state government can be as efficient as the Department of Treasury is. John Schroeder, candidate for governor. Thanks for your time. Yes, ma'am. And always the donuts. good to see you. <laughs> this place smells delicious. <laughs> it's always good to see you. Thank you, sir. Langan McCarty with John Schroeder, 101.7 FM, 710. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. We're talking Mardi Gras. Crew of Centaur Captain Ricky Bridges joining us after the break. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Well, in studio with us this morning, Ricky Bridges, crew of Centaur. Captain Ricky, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Now, you guys have already talked, uh, spoken with... Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser. Yes, sir. Well, of course, we're talking about Mardi Gras, all the confusion that's going on uh, with Mardi Gras, changing the dates. That's the biggest contention, I think. Yes, sir. That's one of the biggest concerns. The, ma- the mayor has said you guys need to find 60 additional security personnel. That's correct. So that Centaur can remain on that February 3rd date and roll from Lake Street. That's correct. Um, are you making any headway on that? You know, that's... Uh, I don't understand, you know, I was in law enforcement for 42 years. I, I feel I feel for them. But now I'm in the Mardi Gras crew, and what authority do I have as a captain with a crew to reach out to try to get these security people? You know, it's going to take somebody from his office or Chief Smith's office or to actually go out and requisition these people. All they have to do is ask. Mm-hmm. And when I talked to the lieutenant governor, he kind of briefed me a little bit on what he had in mind for some park rangers and possibly troopers. And But it, the request is going to have to come from the city. 
And because you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be privy to how much you're, they're paying, when they get paid, what they're going to be doing, unless you, unless you're expected to foot the right, bill for right. these. Right, and nobody said a word about pay. You know, it's just I right. need people. He's he said from day one when we first met with him that money is not a problem. Mm-hmm. He said I need people. Okay, well if we get people, who's going to pay them? You know, I, and what's the rate? And exactly. how many hours you t- do I tell them they're working? All That's that, correct. all yes, the ma'am. logistics. That's true. Um, so where are you now? You know, I want to have another meeting with him. And, you know, we just want a seat at the table. You know, we we had our – when I took over as captain for my second time in March, that was my first priority to reach out to SPAR. Let's get a meeting together. And what are we going to do this coming year? And that went on for – what three months four months mm-hmm. and finally we got a meeting on august 3rd and we walked in the room and and uh and there was really no discussion it was uh you know we got some changes we want to make and the mayor talked for five minutes and then turned it over to tom dark and they had a contract laying on the table when we got there and it's like okay there's no discussion here and uh you know and since then you know that's that's my deal okay they said that they had been meeting for two or three months looking at the different changes. Why not bring us to the table? We have 30 years of experience of doing a Mardi Gras parade. We can help you and uh, at least let us have input, you know. Well, let me ask you this. Is is the option of just pulling out well, that's on the option. table right now? That's an option. Have y'all discussed going, you know what, we're not rolling? Do I, you know, do I want to go there? No. Obviously not, not but, it, but is that but something that you, y'all have discussed? We have discussed it. And, uh, you know, it's like I said, I hope it doesn't come to that. I feel like that once the lieutenant governor sits down with the mayor and gives him the options that he can do and help out with, I think it's going to solve itself. Yeah, uh, Nungesser told us yesterday that uh, park rangers, mm-hmm. state park rangers, were were possibly That's an correct. option that he's looking into. That's what he's told us, yes, sir. Ricky Bridges, crew of Centaur Captain, for for you and your crew and your board, what is a deal breaker as we sit here today? That's a good question. Uh, I think most of our crew, when I've spoken to them, is the date change. You know, he's already agreed that he would leave the the full route, and he said he had enough people to cover that. And I think it's the change in the date. And, uh, you know, we they keep saying the African-American parades had their date for 30-something years. Well, we've had, you know, it's always 10 days before First Tuesday or the Fat Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've had that for 30, 35 years as long as we've existed. And but you know it feels like we're being thrown up against the wall, and everything else is you know is no negotiating. Now the parade start time. Uh, the mayor wants the, all the parades to be over before dark. Right? Is that something? I mean, obviously you, you want to start at two. Th- you have to start at two thirty. Is right. that something that you want to work on? And uh, we would to love, be able to we roll love, at night. We would love to have a later time. You know, we spend all this money on lights, putting on these floats, and you know the the public likes that. And but you know, it's like I've told everybody: there's got to be give and take between both of us. And you know, we rolled up, believe last year at three o'clock. You know, and I've tried to tell my crew, what's thirty more minutes? 
You know, we we gonna have to give somewhere. Is the parade more dangerous at night? You know, I've been told that the stats from last year, and y'all know my brother, and he's a stat guy. Mm-hmm. And there was one arrest during our parade last year. So tell me where the crime rate's at. You know, mm. they had the shooting during the Gemini Parade. That was an accidental. That, that wasn't know. even an act of violence and, per and, se. And I, I mean, Obviously it was a violent, but you know what I'm saying. I don't care if you got 500 or 1,000 officers standing on the corner. You're not going to prevent that. It's eventually going to happen. And, you know, we hate it happen. You know, it kind of put a bad light on things. But, you know, that's uncontrollable. That was just teenagers being teenagers. Pretty uh, much. Um, Make sure you cut out our next element because we're going to go long. Um, sorry, I'm just giving Mike a little <laughs> help. Yeah. Let me let me ask. Ruben's you, not here, right? Let me let me ask you this, Ricky. Um, when is your deadline? When do you guys have to say, okay, it's a done deal. We've got to deal with the city. Here we are. I mean, do you have a drop dead date? Uh, when we had the very first meeting with the mayor, that was my last question to to the staff that was there. Is, when would they need to know if we're going to change the date or stay on or we're going to fight the date? And he said probably December, first part of January, that they need to know by Oh, then. wow. So mm-hmm. there's plenty of time. Plenty still. of time. And that's because what we were told in the meeting. We, we know uh, from our discussions with the Lieutenant Governor Nungesser, he does not want to change the dates. He's been working international travel right. and tourism that he says are, are coming to right. North Louisiana, he not said, just Louisiana Mardi Gras, but North Louisiana Mardi Gras. Yes, sir. He told us that he has been to Australia, New Zealand, mm-hmm. promoting Mardi Gras for North Louisiana. And, you know, you have people that's making reservations, you know, ahead of time and making travel Booking plans. Flights, absolutely. And then you, right here at the dead end, start changing dates, you know. And that's, that's what we had, you know, that's why I say we just wanted to... Uh, to be at the table and let us interject what we know about Mardi Gras. And, uh, you know, I can probably guarantee you that the people we met with with the city doesn't have a clue how to, you know, the logistics of setting one up. And we got it down to a science. Ricky, if if the city or city leaders say that, that the economic impact of the Mardi Gras is not nearly what folks claim the lieutenant governor disagrees he thinks it's huge um do they need better numbers do we because we see the i mean i live right there in the in the parade i see all the people i you know i know people are in hotels um are they are they missing something Uh, must be we uh you know back two years or excuse me three years ago when we met with perkins and had the same issues you know stacy brown with the tourist bureau she was great with with her numbers and I feel like she is spot on. And, you know, at that particular time, we were looking at probably around $20, 22000000 million economic impact. They want to throw that out the door? A question I can't answer. Well, let me play devil's advocate then because there are those that say there's no real economic impact. They say people that are coming in, they bring their food, they bring their coolers, they even bring their own beer. They're not spending money in stores. A lot of them aren't staying in hotels. Where is that economic impact? From what I've heard is, you know, especially like the people in Shreve City, they love it. There's, I think there's one daiquiri shop or something that's out that way and and he said, but they're not doing twenty-two million dollars uh, no, in, that in much, business. But, but he said that uh, you know, for the two parade dates that 
he makes more money in them two days than he does all year. Mm. The grocery stores love it. And, uh, you know, you got hotel, motel, people, you know, doing hotel motels mm-hmm. and, you know, travel, gas, eating, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I just feel that it's there. And, uh, Ricky, let me, let me ask, and I and pretend like we're not on the radio station, okay. if you don't mind. Y'all turn off like the mics. We're just, you, you and go. me talking, just girls talking. Uh, what's behind <laughs> this? What's behind this resistance from the, the mayor and the administration? What do you suspect? I feel like that there's some politics in it, and uh, how so? You have the African American parade, which we are not. I, I've told this from day one. We are not in competition with them people. You know, mm-hmm. I we love their parade. You know, we love everybody parading, and uh, I just feel that there's getting more pressure on us than them. You know, have they asked them? We've offered to let them ride in front of us, and. I hadn't heard one peep out of them. And you don't, you know, when you hear the mayor talk or anybody else, there's no mention of, hey, what's the African-American parade doing? Are they having to try to get security? And and that's what I, that's what I don't understand. You know, why mm-hmm. is it, it seems like when we get a new mayor every year, there's changes. They're wanting changes. Mm-hmm. And this thing has worked for 30-something years. Why change it? And I, I get the shortage of the officers. You know, I've dealt with that, and uh, but it can be worked. There's resources out there that will come help us and get this done. Ricky Bridges, Crew of Centaur Captain, thanks for coming in. Yes, ma'am. Thank mm-hmm. y'all for having me. Thank you, Ricky. Yes, 1017 sir. FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarthy. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarthy on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. I know there's there okay they're talking about voting. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm sorry I started sending think knowing what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you should vote for the candidate that you think is best. Right. You know, especially in primaries. Mm-hmm. If you like a candidate, that's who you should vote for. And I know there's schools of thought going, yeah, but ex-candidate doesn't have a chance you got to vote for this candidate because he's the one that can beat that candidate right and, right and, and i know there's a lot involved but mm-hmm. i just go my 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 heart says if you like a candidate that's who you vote for mm-hmm. and don't and, believe and, all the polls and and exactly don't mm-hmm. believe the polls because they're going to say whatever the pollster wants them to say right or whoever hired that pollster wants them to say absolutely that and we have seen poll after poll after poll be wrong so you know you have to you have to know how you're going to vote ahead of time and study the candidates don't go in and and be ignorant it's so easy to do now Mm -hmm. there's even the go vote app helps you if you can look now and see what's on the ballot Mm -hmm. coming up in october you bet you can go and look now who's on there what are the proposals what are the propositions go and study those yes so when you go in that ballot box you're prepared right exactly and you're and and you're an educated voter Mm -hmm. Ah, it's critical is ruben back not yet not yet michael mccarty 1017 fm 710